Welcome to a Sunday morning slash Sunday evening recording of the weekend sports cars here on the Marshall Pro Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Why a Sunday morning slash evening recording? Well, our man, Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, orator of the WEC, ELMS, Asian Lamas series, just you name it, everything. Uh, he was indeed covering a 24-hour race that concluded on Saturday, and so the decision was made to wait until he done got home in the UK. How are you doing, Brother Goodwin? I'm good. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world. It's uh Good to be back. We did decide to just defer this across uh, through the weekend um, for two reasons. One, you're absolutely right. I was uh, in the press room for the 24 hours of Dubai, uh, Friday and Saturday. And second thing is the Wi-Fi and connectivity from that press room can be famously crappy. Uh, so rather than actually getting that break up, you know, I know full well, by the way, as I basically say we did this because it'd be better. This is the point at which the Wi-Fi air cracks up. But uh, yeah, slightly tired, but not too bad. Good, good flight back uh, with a couple of motor racing buddies. It was good to have Joe Bradley and Nick Damon uh, back in pit lane and on patrol for that mm. uh, that race and it's a good banter there but uh yeah a packed paddock uh, and it's been a week mp of packed entry list announcements we'll get into that i know with some of the questions with the wec with their full season entry with confirmation of a fantastic entry for the Rolex 24 hours in a couple of weekends time and then um, it, with massive irony, the timing uh, for my uh, for me personally. Um, oh no, we the, got to me personally. Wow, we got to hashtag that. me personally. Um, uh, the the very what we, what I've written has been firing the starting gun for the LMDH era. The first pictures of a real car, um, albeit you know in camouflage livery, the Porsche. LMDH getting its first shakedown run at Visac, and that I think is truly exciting, and that that is the first of many. Um, we've had all sorts of other announcements, uh, changes in management at BMW, you name it. It's it's kind of out there, but um, it was very nice, I should tell you, in the not blistering heat, but uh, reasonably warm conditions, to be back in proper endurance racing at the start of the season with some some good displays as well. But uh, lots of questions, MP. Anything you want to cover off before we get stuck into it? Do we want to talk about BMW's change of management? Do you want to have a quick chat about the LMDH? Do we want to talk about the numbers at WEC and, uh, and Daytona, both of which I think, by the way, are fantastic? Um, or do you want to get stuck in? Well, why don't we cover off a little bit of what you mentioned there? So we had planned days before deciding we would do this on a Sunday that we were going to open the show with a little tidbit that had been learned, that being Porsche, despite telling us twice they were planning to get their LMDH car out and testing for the first time by the end of the year, indeed did not. And so not that that's huge news, but... We're no. just going to share that here compared to put it, putting all that in a story. Then, as you mentioned, our friends at Porsche decided on Twitter and social media in general to announce that they did finally just get out and go testing. And you have a funny little anecdote about that here in a moment. But <laughs> so not only are they a couple of weeks behind, 
that original timeline, which is not massive. So there, there's no alarm bells here to ring. But not only did they miss that, not get out at Vyshock, their uh, test track, racing R&D facility and, and whatnot, not only did they not get out before the end of the year, things that I believe were not mentioned on social media as well. Actually, they've never been mentioned by Porsche. Uh, it's only uh, been mentioned by us. There were follow-on plans getting out before the end of the year, somewhere maybe between Christmas and New Year's, getting out somewhere in that timeline at Vysok, and then sending that first built prototype over to Florida where it would go testing, do some private testing at Sebring mm-hmm. the week of the Rolex 24 and then be taken up the road hour, hour and a half, two hours northeast to Daytona where the car would be unveiled publicly, privately, all manners of unveiling and perform a couple of demonstration laps prior to the start of the race. So kind of a big deal, right? The private testing stuff in Germany and at Sebring got it, not for public consumption, but had everything gone off as planned the end of 2021, we would have had Graham, I would think a pretty darn cool, uh, rollout demonstration, public hello with the car and it being seen in moving pictures on the good old television prior to the Rolex 24 as a big nod, tease, and again, a hello to 2023. Come back next year. You'll get to see this Porsche, many other models making their racing debut at Daytona. Sadly, because of the timeline being pushed and getting out for that very first test, I understand that none of the other American-based testing in January appearances at Daytona in public hellos will happen. That's sad. It's a shame. And it's, you know, it's understandable. Logistical issues, supply chain issues uh, abound at the moment. It's everywhere. It does beg the question. There is another opportunity that presents itself in just what is it, eight weeks time, which if anything is even more relevant for that car. So I wonder whether Mm. or not they might defer and we might see that car for the first time at Sebring. I wonder the same thing. So you being a guard dog of reporting and information <laughs> and uh, comms and whatnot were certainly on the boil this past Friday, Saturday. And you also had to take about 15 minutes to do something. You want to tell folks what happened well, during I, that 15 I, minutes? I will tell you this story before. So I, I try to work out. I've not done the tally lately, but it, I've it, I've covered live at races something in the 80s of 24-hour races. It may be a little bit more. might be in the 90s. Um, and it is unusual if if not. I, I, I can't recall ever having left the circuit during a 24-hour race. I can remember one time um, doing it for the 24 hours of the Nürburgring, the very first time that was broadcast in English with the Radio Le Mans uh, crew. And we did leave the circuit, but we were staying at the Dorrit Hotel, which is 
actually at the circuit, so it doesn't quite count. This was the first time, for a variety of logistical reasons for my plans in the next few days, needed to make sure that I was rested, that I'm not going to be kind of too jet-lagged, and opted to go to my hotel, which was a 15-minute drive away. So I literally was 15 minutes, 20 minutes um, away from my laptop, um, and in those 15 minutes, Porsche dropped the pictures of the most important new race car we've seen in the last... (laughs) Yeah, so you can imagine imagine my surprise when I kind of log back on arriving at my uh, my hotel room, hoping to literally get into the hotel room, download email, do a quick catch up piece, go to bed, four or five hours sleep, back to the circuit. That didn't work out like that at all, as you can well imagine. Uh, you know, instead of that, it was a flurry of monkey typing uh, for daily sports car for racer. Um, but it's good news. It's good to start to see this ball rolling MP. And it's, it's, it really is the starting gun for a new era. And it's a starting gun for what will be a flurry of uh, announcements coming. And I can tell you, by the way, um, uh, I know we've got some questions about Audi later, but there was an opportunity to speak to sources, information about two other LMDH pro- programs for people I was speaking to um, at... Uh, at the Dubai Autodrome. So there will be some stories coming uh, in the next few days which will make their way to both Daily Sports Car and to Racer.com uh, about those programmes and about just a little bit of snippets, all positive, by the way, um, here, there and everywhere. It is good to be in an era of this this sport which could be so different with the um, the political agendas as they stand at the moment worldwide that we you know we can be here and expect that that there's going to be a lot more where that came from uh, of positivity of new cars of teams of drivers that there's going to be a flurry of good news stories coming for weeks months and indeed years to come of this new era we just hope we can keep that together that no one bulls is up for us really you know there's one other great item to mention from your visit that we should uh we should share before we get started with the show so not only was the third member of the weekend sports cars broadcasting team christophe bouchou in action there in dubai but you he also uh, you also found something else attached to him as well. So it, it, it was it was I, I popped out just to go and grab a sandwich, and um, the way you get out of the uh, Dubai Autodrome, right next to the uh, media center, which is a pit in at Dubai. There's a pedestrian tunnel takes you to the main spectator gates, which is in a kind of shopping area. And parked right outside the gate. And Christophe, by the way, was a late replacement for Jacques Nicolet. And the reason he was there, by the way, is that this was the planned final race of uh, Jacques Lacant, the team principal of Labra. Mm. And uh, this car was uh, was um, fielded under his Les Deux Arbres, uh, the two trees uh, team name, as opposed to Labra, the tree. Um, which uh, is his regular kind of team name, and it was fielded for his friends uh, and Jacques. And not only that, they went and gone and done and won their class in this Ligier JS2R. But yeah, uh, Monsieur Bouchou um, of the famed 
um, emporium of uh, Blunt. Bushu's Hammer Emporium, yes. Indeed. And as I walked out, uh, the last thing I actually heard uh, before I kind of um, basically potted out was Joe Bradley on Circuit Comms and on the uh, video feed interviewing uh, Jacques Leconte and being told that it would be Jacques' uh, last race. That I think the last person that uh, retired on air to Joe was Sterling Moss. Uh, so uh, Jacques is in uh, esteemed company. Uh, as I walk out, uh, parked outside, directly outside the gate, was a Peugeot van, so it's a French van, with hammer written on the side. That was it. <laughs> you know, it's, kind of, it's got to be. It, it's got to be the company van, doesn't it, really? That's how it, Christophe got to uh, got to Dubai. So, yes, uh, pretty impressive. It's, it's, it's 24 hours Dubai. If you love endurance racing and you love the kind of clubby side of things, it's great. We'll have a follow-up story, by the way, MP, which I know appeals to something that both you and I and, for that matter, the listenership have gone on about a lot. It's also probably... Bacon. The last 24-hour race where there's a sort of run-what-you-brung mentality to it. Mm. And they're not always the most reliable of machines. And it, it speaks again to that, that impassioned plea that you were talking about last week about the, the death of endurance and endurance racing. Well, boy, we got a bit of that with the Lameras, the Vortexes, etc. of this world, all of which have still got a place in Creventic 24H series uh, racing. And I think that's something to be celebrated. The fact that you don't have to turn up with an FIA homologated GT insert number um, uh, car to get onto the grid. Their, their effective uh, methodology is if you've got a race car, if you can show us that it's safe and you can show that it's it got some kind of pace, we will find a class to put it in. And I like that. I like that quite a lot. Well, why don't we extend that like, a lot of that like, to answering the fine questions that have been submitted and sorted and presented to us by Daniel Summersgill. That's right, my uh, my suggestion here. We've we, Because we've had this tsunami of, of news, and that's unfortunately uh, another uh, one that's in the news at the moment, so anybody affected by that in the Pacific region, stay safe. Uh, but... We've had a couple of weeks where I think we've done IMSA up front. Let's change that and let's uh, go with Wek Aslam's Elms Aiko. It's been a big week for, for them as well um, with the news coming there. And so this generally speaking, but not exclusively, is when you tend to chuck questions my way. So what have we got on the ACO rules racing side, MP? I think that's going to be my uh, my new stripper name, Chuck Questions. Uh, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> we We kick off with... Smoking Puppy 841 at Smoking Puppy 841 from the Twitters. Graham, would you like to see the selection committee change their approach to the WEC in the future? Goes on to say, hashtag me personally. I'd rather have the best 62 options at Le Mans and those who want to do the WC from them to do so than say the 30 best options for the wc joined by 20 plus other entries as i doubt every car chosen for the wec this year would have been chosen for Le Mans if that were a uh, separate or prior process uh, I, 
I get the point. Yeah, I understand the point. Uh, it, it is, are you getting the best feel for them on? I think this one's going to have to grow into itself as we get to the new era. There's there's some serious questions to be asked and answered in terms of what the attitude is going to be between the two major sanctioning bodies for the top class, those being the ACO with WEC and IMSA with IMSA with Tech Sports Car Championship, as to how they're going to view interest in their blue ribbon events from if you like the other side of the fence and that's a big question particularly when you've got to the stage um as we will in 2023 where you've got manufacturers represented in one championship that are not represented in the other in the top class so we already reasonably heard from bmw that they're not looking to trouble the aco with a uh, works entry for 2023 we don't yet know what the situation is for particularly the Acura teams both I think I'm right uh, MP that have made it clear that they wanted to be back at Le Mans uh, Mike Shank would like to take the Mike Shank um, uh, effort there we know full well that Wayne Taylor wants to be back uh, at Le Mans this time with his own team uh, so that one I think remains to be seen the problem, I think, the 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 the, um, the the issue here is how do you build a strong full season WEC uh, entry if you've not got Le Mans to offer? It is one of a number of interlocking puzzles for them. One of which, and it's one that I I am concerned about moving forward, is if we do get the level of take up in the WEC's hypercar class. And remember, in WEC, hypercar means LMH and LMDH together. That's what hypercar as a class will mean from 2023 onwards. If that is uh, has got as good a take-up as we think it will, if they continue to take high 30s numbers of full-season cars, and we'll get into that number uh, in later questions, then there are some major challenges ahead for maintaining their pyramid of uh, it's been a successful thing for them pyramid of teams coming from the continental championships from asia from particularly from europe and for that matter for invitational cars coming from elsewhere from uh, imsa and for that matter with the change that was made in asia from the gt world challenge as well because there's now uh, the opportunity for one of those um uh, cars to all those teams to actually get an automatic invitation moving forward why because the window the number of selectable cars over and above what is in the wec is getting smaller and that means that the teams in particularly lmp2 in the um european Le Mans series that could have reasonably assumed that they've got a better than 50-50 chance of getting an entry, that number is coming down. Um, we're, we're at a stage where the selection committee, year by year, reasonably speaking now, moving the WEC entry as a non-negotiable and adding the automatic entries uh, that that come with it plus the additional cars that manufacturers want to bring and they bring with them not just the kind of the uh, the glitz and glamour of being in a factory back class but also the money they'll spend on site at the race the the number of electable selectable uh, entries that the selection committee have had to um decide upon 
has been around the kind of nine to a dozen number. And I think that number is probably going to come down. Uh, and that is something they need to have a plan for. They need to have a vision for if they're not going to see a significant impact on numbers in their own supporting championships. And that, by the way, they do need to be concerned about because that's where the LMDH um, customer teams of the future will come from. The near future will come from is you've got to find a way to actually get a foot on that ladder. Uh, you do need to support not just the grassroots, but the fully formed playing fields that you've actually developed yourself if you're going to have a healthy WC and in particular a healthy uh, Le Mans in the future. As far as you uh, and Smoking Puppy 841's point, I think you've got to make a decision. Is the Le Mans 24 hours going to be part of your WEC? It, reasonably speaking, has to be. And I think where they stand at the moment is a reasonably good solution to maintaining a strong season-long presence at all of those races. At 39, we'll come to that, as I say, in a moment. That's a bigger number than we've seen before. But I, I don't agree, Ewan. I think that, you know, I want to see a strategy that, that encourages manufacturers to bring the really good cars and the good squads, but also that encourages those professional teams in GT racing and in LMP2 in particular and LMDH privateer uh, efforts in the future, encourages them to come with the best efforts possible, not for one race, which is where it often fell down in the past, but for a full season of racing. That's what the WC should be about. It should be about encouraging sustainable, deep grids in as many championships as possible. That means ACO championships, but also IMSA as well. We want to see this being the best of the best in every class, not the WC plus a couple of dozen others that make the cuts. I want to see the best of the best, but I don't want that to come at the cost of um, punishing, if you like, uh, teams in the, in the ELMS for not being able to afford a two and a half million pound Porsche at MTH. That, that's my concern. There needs to be a plan to make sure that that pyramid system that has served them so well for, what, a decade and more now, that that needs to be part of the plan as well, not just reversing the factory funding truck up to the doors and tipping the money in. It shouldn't be just about that. It needs to be about sustainability. Yeah. So more questions on the FIWC entry lists unveiling. We're going to go to our master question assembler, Daniel Summersgill. Mm. Says, great to see 39 cars announced for the WC. But on how many occasions, Graham, do you think all 33 cars will compete outside of, say, Spa or the obviously larger expanded grid at Le Mans? He says, hashtag me personally. I think it will be zero. I agree. Uh, the selection committee uh, should pick AM teams with customers lined up rather than those loyal to the series. And I don't know if we want to roll in Matthew License's uh, question. Yep. Uh, into that as well, where he says, massive entry list for the Rolex 24, 61 cars. Biggest WEC full season field ever. Where do we go from here? Is there now a great focus, Graham, on quality over quantity in terms of entry selection, et cetera, et cetera? Well, they're certainly preparing for what's coming very soon now. So that, I agree with Daniel. I think um, 
look, the 39 is not a real 39 for a full season because we know there are there's no answer at the moment to when uh, we'll see Peugeot. I, like others, have seen uh, the quotes that have been coming out from uh, Frederick Lutkian that makes it clear that if Peugeot want to come to Le Mans, they're going to have to do a race before them, which means they'd need to be at Spa. Um, we'll wait and see, so hashtag wait and see, to see whether or not they're in a, a position where they can or indeed want to do that. They will want not want to bring a car to Le Mans that's not ready to do Le Mans. They're not going to come and do a kind of run, and, uh, you know, a, a kind of um, start and park effort. That's not what it's about. And that wouldn't be a good thing for Peugeot and it wouldn't be respectful of the event either. Uh, the 39, I think, reflects the fact that they're going to want to see the vast majority of those cars. It, it, it's equally fair to say that, oddly enough, at Dubai, there are a number of uh, team owners, drivers, team principals, manufacturer representatives who are very relevant to the, uh, the WEC package, one of whom expressed surprise and concern and it wouldn't be fair at this point to mention which team uh, but it wouldn't be difficult for those that are regular followers of the of uh, the package to work out which that um, there's at least one car on that list which this significant uh, player in the paddock uh, tells me and i believe him neither have customers nor indeed a car to fulfill and again we're in Sebring in eight weeks' time. That was expressed, by the way, particularly frustrate, particular frustration that uh, this particular uh, individual was in a position where they are one of, I know of at least four uh, cars that have been turned away from the, uh, the WEC this season who do have cars and do have customers to go in those cars. So the question that was being openly asked to me was, how silly are they going to look if we open the containers in Sebring and that car simply isn't there? I think the answer is there certainly would be questions asked as to why significant players with high-profile uh, efforts. From You're talking about Bicolis. I can just go ahead and, and, and well, reveal I'm not that. Even, this is before we even get into the Bicolis um, uh, uh, issue, but this, this is to do with effectively GT efforts. So let's be clear, this is a GT team um, that this particular person believes don't have a car to fulfil an entry. Um, and that does feel a little bit strange, I'll be honest with you. So as far as the 39 is concerned, no, I don't expect to see 39 at most, if, if indeed any of those races. Um, I don't, I'm not particularly concerned by that. Uh, that what that means, by the way, is those 39 will have paid the full season entry fee. That's that's what that means. Uh, there were well into the 40s of teams that were certainly interested in getting involved in the WEC this year. That, by the way, I think is very encouraging indeed. I'll add in the proviso that this will be the last cheap, cheaper WEC, we hope, uh, coming out of the COVID era. Remember, it's a reduced calendar again in 2022 before we get back to, you know, uh, building back up to seven, eight, nine uh, races in future seasons. So it's a smart move for some of those teams to guarantee their uh, Le Mans place with the opportunity to do a season that's just got one short flyway, that's Bahrain, two longer flyways, that's Sebring and 
uh, Fuji uh, plant at the moment for the 2022 FI World Endurance Championship. So, it, and you can see that with some of the teams that are opting to do it. Um, it was, by the way, a uh, an entry list with pre- fairly few surprises on it. Uh, the surprises that were kind of kicking around there were the kind of the smaller little nuggets of drivers. It's like Manu Collard has been the silver in the Penske car. Delighted to see that, by the way. Manu, you know, I have to say, one of my favourite people in the paddock, the Peter Pan of endurance racing. No, it doesn't look any different than he did when I first knew him 20 years ago. Damn him. Uh, mm. But uh, the, uh, do we get some bike questions? I suspect we do. So we might wait for those. Yes, we are. So we'll wait for that one. But no, the answer is no, we won't see 39. But they are the 39 that, uh, that the LMEM, who are the organisers of the, uh, the FIWEC, are you know, telling us that have committed with funding for the full season for the efforts that are going to sit on that uh, entry. But my guess is putting Persia aside for the moment, I think we're looking at a real world 36 plus Peugeot and then we'll see what happens with the GT side. Speaking of Pugiat, Doug Bonham, uh, final question on the theme of entry list uh, inclusions uh, asks, will we see Peugeot at a majority of the rounds? Says, I really hope that I can see the new hypercars, the Corvette C8R and possibly even DSE's Husky caretaker in person at Fuji this fall, but uh, Fuji aside, uh, so hey, we saw the uh, 9X8s listed mm. on the full season entry list. Graham Goodwin, was that the FIWEC telling us something we didn't know, or was that them posturing a little bit, hoping that indeed, while being on the quote full season entry list? uh it's hard to say if indeed they will fulfill that uh expectation well we still don't know when but what can we tell from that we can tell that they've committed to the championship okay um you are not permitted a uh race by race entry in hypercar you can if you're a full season entrance ask for an additional entry at le mans so we know, for instance, Jim Glickenhouse has told us that he will uh, post to entries for two of the 007, um, SEG 007s for Le Mans. But uh, what it means is they are committing to the championship. Uh, to answer uh, Doug's question, to do a majority of the races would mean they would have to do Spa. Now, we're judging that from the fact that there are six races. Round three is Le Mans, and they've been told publicly that they can't do Le Mans unless they do Spa as well, or at least one of the other races, and they, they will not make Sebring. So the answer there is, if they're going to do a majority of the races, they will have to effectively start their season at the Spa six hours, unless they do Spa, Le Mans, uh, Monza, and Fuji, and don't do Bahrain, and that's a different way of doing the majority, if you like. Uh, the way that the regulations work is if you don't turn up at a race, there is a fine that actually applies. It's been you know, a bone of contention with Jim Clickenhouse. It was a bone of contention before that with Lawrence Tomlinson at uh, Team LNC and the Genetta side of things. But Team that's Lint. what the regulation Yes. Indeed. Um, that, uh, yeah, that's, that's what the rule book actually says, and the regulations are there for all to see. So um, what do I expect? 
I, I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't know. I hope they're, they're shooting to be at Le Mans. There is time, but it's a very different car. They will not go unless they are ready. And it could be, it could be that they opt not to do Le Mans this year. It could just as easily be that they commit to Le Mans and to Spa, um, run at Spa and find that they decide they're not ready and that we might see two late entries. So um, I think there's a, there's a myriad of possibilities. It is a truly exciting concept, the 9X8. I think we've agreed that before, MP. The, the thing looks extraordinary, uh, looks very different, and that's a good thing. Um, but <sighs> there's a lot of new. There are a lot of difficulties at the moment in terms of making things that are new uh, do the things you want to do in the time scales you want to do them, uh, you know, hark back to um, what was said about Porsche and what we know, by the way, about that Porsche, because we didn't mention this, did we, MP, is that certainly will not have been running with the uh, the spec hybrid system because it's not ready yet. And that's the system that will run in every LMDH, no matter which uh, mark. So um, I don't know. I hope we'll see them committing early. Uh I suspect they may, may, may well go down the conservative routes and that they may not do that. There we go. Why don't we move to uh, some absentees? Clement Rosin yep. kicks things off. Says with the grid revealed, couldn't help but notice the absence of TDS racing. Mm. The team solely focusing on uh, Team Nederland's IMSA effort. Uh, or do they intend to return to ACO rules racing? Uh, Damien Peachman, curious why the Baikala slash Van Wall entry was rejected. Um, and we got some other Baikala sishy stuff yep. too to go. So, all right, um, tell us things. Right. So, uh, TDS, you're quite right. Uh, they're focusing uh, the IMSA endurance program with Racing Team Netherlands. I suspect we may see something from TDS with the European Le Mans series. Uh, entry list so we'll keep an eye on that one remember the other car that tds ran was the real team racing entry uh now real team have rocked up branding a car with wrt this year this year in and the wec and that i thought well that's a really interesting entry and it's interesting for two reasons esteban garcia who is the man behind real team racing will not be driving that car at least for the majority of the season i wonder whether or not we might see esteban um drop into that car for the Le Mans 24 hours. We'll keep an eye on that one. So it is not an LMP2 Pro-Am entry. In fact, there are only three LMP2 Pro-Am entries in the WEC, um, which means everybody gets a podium if they get to their finish. Excellent. Um, so the interesting thing, the other thing, interesting thing about that, the fact that it shifted from W to WRT and it shifted to not being a Pro-Am entry and it shifted to Esteban Garcia not being in that car is... You need to understand the rules to understand why they've done that. And it's not just because Esteban Garcia wants to be a team principal, which he is for that effort. It also means that WRT can have a third car at Le Mans uh, because you're only allowed two cars um, at Le Mans on the same team license, the same team name, if you like, uh, which means that Team WRT can have their WC entry and they can now request an entry against the automatic invitations they got for either winning the European Le Mans series or winning the Le Mans 24 hours in LMP2, which means that those two cars, plus the real team by WRT entry, 
um, can make up a trio of WRT-entered cars for Le Mans, which is, of course, commercially very valuable indeed for that Belgian team, who, by the way, um, took a 1-2, a result they probably should have got at Le Mans last year uh, in Dubai this year. Again, oddly enough, with one car under Team WRT and one car with a customer name, MS7, a Saudi-based uh, outfit. So smart commercial move and, you know, commercially sure-footed uh, Vincent Voss and his team at WRT. And I'm 99% certain that if I were to put that point to Vincent, there would be a knowing grin and a refusal to immediately comment. But that's what's going on there 100%. They will be putting in another entry, and I'm sure we will see, and quite right, by the way, that we should, three WRT entries in the same way as we saw it from United Autosports in the wake of their massive season in 2020. By Collis, what is the By Collis. Um, I'll put my hand up and say here, I've made my apologies um, to uh, Frederick Lequien. There was a, a follow-up uh, media um, call with Fred uh, immediately after the reveal of the entry list. And what I did, um, it's, it has been a searingly challenging calendar of news um on both sides of the atlantic which has meant some very late nights for me and coming into the uh dubai 24 hours um and indeed yes we did have a uh, an opportunity to speak to frederick i was supposed to be on one of those calls and i did i made a tragic error um i was going to do that from the hotel for the same reasons we're doing this here um, because the uh, the Wi-Fi at the circuit is famously crappy. Got back to the hotel, plugged in the laptop, sat down on the bed, and fell asleep. Oh, so no. Like the call. We have so, eight so, questions. Which is, uh, that I, might I, be I an all-time peak for Bicolis, if not almost any <laughs> other topic that wasn't a total poop show. No joke, Damien Peachman, Geronimo Lazos, J.M. Chandler, Matthew Levine, yep. uh, Richard Cooper, our pal, Right Turn Lover, Jonathan Green. What's next for Bicolis? Um, yep. uh, would you expect them to have a plan B? Um, does their absence on the WEC entry list throw their much-anticipated road car into jeopardy? Um Folks are wondering mm. if the folks of the WEC know that despite uh, Baikalis being a uh, non-threatening uh, presence in the series, that there are still folks to whatever number who root for or want to see them there. So mm. I know some of these things you could only answer after speaking to uh, Frederick, but maybe some I, I, of the others that, you That's can why grab. I'm slightly hamstrung, to be honest with you. And yeah. I will find the opportunity to get speak to Fred or to one of the other guys who can answer the questions very directly. But what I'll say is this, is the general tone of the commentary that's been coming out about this is that something was not right about the way in which that program was being communicated, confirmed, et cetera, et cetera. Homologation process was uh, was mooted. We were expecting a statement from them on this issue. We've not seen that. Certainly, I haven't seen that um, formally from uh, LMBM or the ACO. Uh, I'll, I'll go on two sides with this one, if you like, MP. First thing is, I do want to see minnows encouraged in. We've had this one, this debate, most recently in relation to 
uh, ACO and IMSA in relation to Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus. I think there's no doubt they add something. The the underdog has always been a popular part of the sports car racing story and, and often has produced some real glory stuff as well. Uh, so I want to see that supported. I also want to see uh, the fact that the championship um, and the commitment that is made, not just by the organisers, but also the rest of the grid, that that needs to be respected. Um, I want to see the kind of standards, the engineering standards and the safety standards respected. And without having had the opportunity, sorry, I have had the opportunity, having squandered the opportunity to uh, ask those questions, for which I apologise, by the way, uh, I apologise to Fred, and by the way, I apologise to our listeners for having cocked up the opportunity to answer this question uh, properly. Um, without having taken that opportunity, I don't want to get into the specific reasons as to why it's been rejected. And I'm going to err on this point to say, I think we've got to trust their judgment here. Um I'll say this about the bike collar side. Uh, I, I think uh, I, with the help of, of all people, a commenter on Reddit who chased down the the van wall uh, side of things, the, the, those that haven't heard that uh, the PMC GmbH, the company that seems to be behind the current bike collar efforts, uh, registered for a variety of commercial um, possibilities, the van wall trademark in Germany. Uh, 1958 uh, Formula One. I think were they not the inaugural manufacturers' champions in Formula One? I think I don't think they've been a manufacturers' championship before that point. Um, so 1958, and have done next to nothing really since then, with the exception of a couple of um, you know revival uh, efforts for uh, replicas of the, the the older cars. And I did reach out. I've reached out more than once in a positive vein to try to find um, just exactly what they will tell us about the uh, the com- coming forward of this effort. And I've had, frankly, a near response. It's pretty clear that one or two other colleagues have had more luck in getting some comments out of Bicolis. So on the basis that they're answering questions from some and not from others, I'm not really in a position to be positive about it. Uh, in fact, I'll say pretty bluntly, not answering actually the opportunity to give the, the opportunity to give comments on a positive story um, leaves me feeling pretty negatively towards them. I'll be blunt. Uh, so I think on this front, right now, gotta say, uh, don't think they've made a uh, the, the wrong decision because there's no evidence of the of the uh, you know of the uh, an opposing point with that one. We need a bit of clarity about this. I certainly am not in support of a blunt refusal to accept a car in a premier class of any sort of racing where money has been put into the efforts in designing and bringing to the track. We haven't seen anything of the pretty tightly focused shots of parts of that car. I don't know what's the behind this MP, whether or not they're not happy about the van wall aspect, whether or not they're not happy with the process of uh, homologation, whether or not they're not happy about the way in which the car has been constructed. Who can tell? Um, we await with interest what the answer that comes back. I hope the answer isn't, we don't want small fry. I'm hoping that's not the answer. I don't think that's the answer. 
Um, but I'm sure that whatever happens uh, when we do get a response from Colin Collis and co, it's likely to be fairly explosive. Roll in a little piece from uh, uh, the Bible about things being done decently and in order. And whether you are a person of faith or not doesn't really matter here, but I would struggle to believe that if the Bicolis slash Van Wall operation had everything in order, be it their paperwork, yep. be it the chassis, all the procedures to crash test, homologate, etc. I struggle to believe, knowing the long relationship Bicolis has had with the FIAWEC competing at Le Mans, etc., etc. I struggle to believe that if everything was decent and in order and simply awaiting the proverbial stamp of approval to be included, that the FIWC would deny them, turn that down, let them go through the entire process, spend millions upon millions of dollars, Graham, to say no. So I don't, like you, have the answer. Just saying from a practicality standpoint, it would make zero sense for any entrant to be allowed to spend all that money, spend all that time, and end up with absolutely nothing and no chance to participate. Like that's the thing that lawsuits are made of. So anyways, uh, let's see how many additional WEC items do you want to get into since we are, yeah, we've been here for a little while. Not a bad thing by any means, but, uh, let's have a quick look. Uh, Joris is asking about prospects of LMDH cars to be invited to Le Mans without participating in WEC. That I think comes under the, the issue around we've remained, it remains to be seen exactly how this is going to work in terms of the practical day-to-day relationship between uh, LMDM, ACO and IMSA. I hope that's going to be very productive and we're going to see the best of the best at the biggest races. And by that, I mean Le Mans and Daytona. Uh, they're the two that I'm looking for really good practical solutions that are what the fans and the industry wants to see and the industry by the way doesn't just mean the factories it means the rest of the guys plugging away to try to get to their biggest race of the year um jerry robert Suddeth, uh says he's read my he says my brilliant goodbye to the bmw i made and made him think about its place in history he loved the it greatly i didn't but um it seemed odd to me brutish beauty of your machine Seismic sleep, slightly out of place at competition. Um, I have two things about the M8. It was great to see BMW stepping up and doing a factory program. Um, I just don't think it was very good. I, I, I sort of didn't understand the model for starters. And why didn't I understand the model? It's kind of, you've got the M6, then you've got the M8, which is like two more. And it's too big, and they're both big, uh, GT coupes. And I sort of didn't see the point of the of the M8 model, really, um, when you've already got another big coupe in your... Uh, to me, it just looks as a race car too close to the M6. 
as the look, the layout of the car for that differentiation that I think is very important in racing. I, it sort of underwhelmed me. I, I hate saying that about something that, you know, factory put a lot of effort into, but the, the M8 program in WEC just never seemed to have a fire under its backside at all. It, it never really seemed to, they didn't seem to kind of have much drive behind it, to be honest with you. Um, they weren't Trivigagola. They weren't cracking with cars. One. Is that what you're saying? Pardon? They weren't cracking cars. Is what you're saying? They were. Sorry. They, they were. They were. It was underwhelming. It just that this. It. They. They didn't seem to to push that program with confidence in WEC. It was almost a ruse. Is that what you're trying to? Sorry, I'm just saying stupid <laughs> things using Mike Crack and Andreas Ruiz's oh, names here. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry. So, Trevor Gagola says, do you have any light to shed on how cool and different manufactured cars will look compared to the, the Porsche LMDH? Yes, well, I, th- I think we're going to see the BMW look actually remarkably close to that concept that we've already seen, which was dramatic and looked very much like a render. I think the actual car will not be dramatically different than that. Did have a quick chat with Chris Renke. Uh, from Audi Sport Customer Racing at Dubai. More of that uh, in the coming days. Um, and, uh, yeah, whilst effectively confirming what we already knew, which is the base of the car, the chassis, the powertrain is the same as the Porsche, we can guarantee that that car is going to look very different from the Porsche. And he did give a clue about direction, not about styling, but a clue about the direction for the styling of that car, which was very interesting. Uh, you know, we've got a retro look for the Porsche. Uh, they've said themselves in their own words, it, it basically harks back to the 956, the front end styling of that car. I did you, I, I, I don't see that, Graham. Yeah, I saw it in the render, less so. I wonder whether or not it'll look a bit more like that once we get that with a solid color rather than mm. dazzle and actually has some light apertures in it. Uh, and the other thing is, we've not. It, cars can look very different depending on the elevation you see them in. Uh, and we've effectively seen uh, that car shot with camera or a phone uh, from kind of shoulder height. I wonder if you, when you get down and dirty with the car, whether or not it might look just a little bit different. Yeah, uh, I, I, how's this? I have a lot of knowledge of what a 956 and a 962 looks like yep. from the front. I didn't see a darn, a single okay. thing that made me think of it, but I hope to be proven wrong. Also, I've heard similar things about the Audi looking different than its sister Porsche. I've yep. heard the, uh, the body we're styling has been described as Dolly esque. So, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'd be amazing though. Wouldn't it with like, you know, fenders just kind of falling off the side of the car and yes, uh, a bizarre, uh, a set of steps to get into it that seems to go infinite and uh, wrap around in, in multi-dimensions. So, anyways, that's my dream. I, I could be... <laughs> I'm not drunk, but I feel drunk. So, there it's, we go. Yeah, let's, let's not go full panels, really. Oh, you know. <laughs> uh, it's a brutzy. It just ain't a beauty. Yes. Um, well, what let's about, shift to him, sir. Uh, well, shift to him, sir. Why don't you take uh, Gregor's last item here just below the red line of death um uh, last he says week on yeah last Weck week Asel- he touched on weck asm ACOs, pr and social media subjects but i'd like to touch 
the subject again. Stop touching things, Gregorsh. Uh, says, why does the ELMS and WC, why don't they stream practice sessions? Um, uh, I don't know, wondering if he's talking about maybe tests, but anyways, uh, okay. if all the equipment is set up, uh, say on a Thursday before official stuff kicks off. Uh, well, ELMS and WC different. It's different production teams. Uh, it's going to depend on who's on site, when are they on site, when have they been briefed, when are we ready to go. We generally tend to do a uh, technical rehearsal in the last session before you see us go live. So that generally will tend to be FP3. I do know that FP3, uh, for our technical rehearsal, and we know this because on a couple of occasions, it's been broadcast into the hospitality booths at the circuits, uh, much to our surprise, by the way, and um, which means we do rather less what I might describe gently as horsing around in FP3 than we used to because of that. Um, so the the answer there is shirtless that, as well. That was the big uh, surprise. Y'all were shirtless. I mean, which you know, in my case, obviously I'm ripped. But you know, when you've got the likes of you know Podgeold, Alan McNish, and you know Skeletor wearing um, a baby you know, bonnet too. I mean, absolutely. that was bizarre with Alan. Absolutely, but you know the 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 answer there is that uh, LMS it does come down to cost. Um, why cost? Well, it costs for every hour you've got every cameraman on a camera stand for starters. Camera women as um, well. So, and you certainly don't want to necessarily air a technical rehearsal um, when you're not you're not showing that it's not a fully produced show. What you're what you're looking for, what the the uh, the director and the producer are looking for, is uh, looking for the kind of camera angles they've got. They're, they're they're for instance making sure they've got the right angle to follow cars. They are also, by the way, framing the other things which may not be obvious to people, but trust me, they're vital. That you've got your trackside advertising and your sponsor. Uh, logos in the correct places and if you've not then that needs to be shifted around so what you'll see what we'll see typically when we're doing a technical rehearsal we'll be listening to a lot of um direction uh, about the way in which they want the cars to be followed we'll be getting a lot of uh, pretty quick focus changes so that you've got the, the the camera operators are getting practiced in exactly what settings are working well for a long shot uh, down a, ma- a main straight, for instance, or a follow shots. So technically, those shots are not going to be far from perfect. So it's not production ready at that point. So I get it. I understand why um, people want more and more and more. I will just flip back to this point, though, which is remember, you have never, never had more live opportunities to watch motorsports than you do today. Uh, never, uh, more or less, it is it is the, very much the exception to the rule that there is not live streaming available of any um, international championship of more or less any other form of motorsport, whether free or otherwise. So I'm not saying I am f- absolutely fundamentally not saying stop moaning about this. What I am saying is, it is a little bit you know you've never had it so good. And it will only get better, I think, is the, the case here. As more money comes into the sport and with more factories coming, that inevitably will be the case. Um, you're going to find there is going to be other products coming along 
to support uh, the main broadcast products. What do I mean by that? We've already seen the things with uh, some of the kind of documentary stuff that's come our way with Michael Fassbender, with uh, the Porsche campaign that he's had with the European Le Mans series. If you haven't seen those, well worth looking at. Uh, we've had the Audi stuff that uh, in the past, we're going to get more, I'm sure, fly-on-the-wall stuff. And whilst, you know, uh, pretty clearly... Uh, F1 is all over the kind of drive, uh, drive to survive stuff. Actually, that that was ground that was made in the first place by Audi investing in uh, the two big documentaries that they did at Le Mans some time ago, and some there's lots of other examples of that. There will be more of that, I'm sure of it. Whether or not it's driver based, whether or not it is based around the factory efforts zero zero chance i think that we're not going to see something coming forward with valentino rossi now, i've not looked down to see whether or not there are any questions about valentino and that uh, announcement that he'll be driving for audi uh, in wrt there is indeed under general so I'll, I'll wait for that one but no doubt in my mind that there's almost certain to be something um around that effort coming forward as well. I'm not announcing anything, by the way. I just think it makes common sense that's part of the commercial package. So um, I can ask the question. I think I know what the answer is, which is the simple fact of the matter is we're not ready, is the straight answer. And they don't want to put something out publicly that is, to, for the want of a better expression, incomplete in terms of its production values. Um, they don't want to do that. Could you have part service you know that everybody has to ex uh, accept is incomplete and not really kind of consumer ready that doesn't tend to be the way that professional television production companies work is a straight answer the only other option is that they get us all on site earlier and they pay us for those days because that's the way it works if you you want everybody in that um, tv truck and everybody on the camera stands around that means you are paying people uh tv professionals tv cameramen um and by the way the cable pullers and riggers and the people who build the camera stands to be there for longer that is really expensive uh you know and for the kind of audience it would pull for a free practice three um at monza for instance i'm not in any way convinced that, that adds up commercially there we go what are we doing next? We're going EMSA what? is where we're going next. And uh, we've talked a lot about the entry list for the FIWC. Boy, the Rolex 24 and, and to a lesser extent, the full season for the EMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the absolute flurry of announcements that have been coming since, well, late November, really. Um, and uh, I was talking to our good friend Stephen Kilby the other day uh, about this uh, i went back and had a quick look day by day i don't think we had a single day working day where there weren't at least two uh entries for the rolex 24 um announced since the new year and i think the maximum we had was six uh on on one given day so we're going to kick off with ron terpstra uh mike hogg carl brown uh, it's, uh, uh, talking about the entry, Ryan asks, does IMSA care? There's only one woman on the entry list for Rolex 24. If they do care, what are they planning to do to change that? And he says, P.S. is Cooper McNeil the reason we have an odd number of drivers? Mike Hogg says, lots of great news in the Daytona 24 hours. 
uh, entering us this year. The one thing that was slightly disappointed is the slack of even a single Audi R8 and the huge, you've got it bang on, by the way, 35 car uh, GT field. Do you think it's on its way out for good? Rowdy customer sports, US efforts being pointed in other directions. Two specific questions, Audi and female drivers. Great question, Ryan, on women racers. There should have been at minimum two. Now that Simona Di Silvestro was meant to be involved in a, I don't know if I would say uh, an entire entry filled with women racers, but uh, by and large women racers, that for reasons that make my brain hurt did not happen. No fault of her own. So she should have been on the grid. Will not be. Not sure, Graham, where Christina Nielsen is placing her effort, emphasis, and whatnot uh, on continuing in IMSA. Obviously, she has been working heavily on a uh, non-racing endeavor, uh, driving clinic, driving experience uh, to get more women involved in high-performance driving. So that could actually be something that in the short term and, and mid longer term could pay huge dividends in having more women coming into sports car racing, whatever form of racing, uh, either on the pro side, am side, you name it. So, but that doesn't change the fact that yes, indeed there is a single woman set to compete in the Rolex 24, that being Catherine Legg. answering your question about does IMSA know or care? I know for a fact that it does because I've had those conversations with them uh, in the past and also somewhat recently. And yes, indeed, it is very important to them at the same time, since they are the sanctioning body for the race, uh, not the folks who go out and pay teams to participate in the race and uh, hire drivers to compete in this race and others. It's a little bit of an odd situation where a series knows there is a quote problem, uh, but it is a problem that is not of their making. Granted, with some of the initiatives in the world to increase diversity, whether it is ethnic or gender-based, uh, does this seem like something IMSA and its parent company NASCAR could be more invested in? Creating a pipeline, developing more talent. If we don't have what we want today, what are we doing to correct it for the future? I don't know. Maybe that's a great thing to speak to Christina Nielsen about and maybe partner with her on her driving initiative and see how those two worlds might come together and indeed make sure that we're not talking about the woman competing in the Rolex 24 gram of the what, nearly 200 drivers or 200 or more drivers? The, we should not be using the word the to describe uh, gender inclusion in a race with 61 entries, three to four drivers per car, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there should be far more women, obviously, competing. And there are plenty of talented women available. If you look at nothing more than the W series, you would have to say, boy, 
between Alice Powell, Jamie Hardwick, uh, Chadwick, I'm sorry, um, and quite a few other of the talented women who compete there, uh, some of whom have GT or prototype experience. Uh, I, I have their phone numbers. I know that they own mobile phones. Some of them have email addresses too. If folks wanted to make contact with them, I'm very positive they have methods to receive those inquiries. We know that uh, Rolex 24 gram often includes a need for money to be spent, uh, brought and then spent, but brought by the driver. Not saying that every single opportunity that might have been filled by a woman would have had the need for money to be brought, but I'm just saying uh, there are plenty of pros in GTD, LMP3, LMP2, if nothing else, uh, in the pro-am categories. Sure seems like there are a number of women who could have been contacted and hopefully hired to be the pro uh, or one of the pros in those entries for the Rolex 24. So mindset-wise, culturally, say uh, beyond any initiative, IMSA slash NASCAR might kick off to bring more women into sports car racing. Uh, there might also need to be a bit of modernization in the mindsets of those who currently own teams, currently have cars running, and currently have or had vacancies to fill with pros, why aren't some of the very talented women uh, who would be perfect fits for those some of those entries, why aren't we seeing their names on the entry lists? Well, uh, happy to bring uh, some soccer to, uh, to Mike with a conversation I had at uh, Dubai with the... Uh, team principal of ST Racing, Samantha Tan uh, Racing. They're the reigning GT champions in 24-H series through their GT4 efforts and uh, debuted their two uh, GT3 BMW M4s uh, in Dubai, uh, one of which will stay in the 24-H series, the other one of which is heading to SRO Racing in the States. But Sam, uh, making it very clear, targeting next year, the IMSA Enduros with at least one of those cars. So uh, IMSA very much on her agenda, and that you can be bet your bottom dollar if they're going to IMSA, she'll be part of that effort. Um, did spot, by the way, there's a pretty high proportion of female faces around in the crew areas with ST Racing. And that, by the way, up and down the paddock in Dubai um, was certainly a feature. Uh, unfortunately, I had a bit of a, a problem with uh, my um, handheld recording device uh, was planning a catching up with uh, podcast with a variety of those female voices, including the world's only uh, Saudi Arabian uh, female race license holder. Um, we've got at least th three um, top class team managers um, were uh, female at Dubai this year. Plenty of driving talent as well. It's there. It just needs to make its way through the the ranks to these very big events indeed. And we've seen some initiatives with varieties, uh, various levels of success or otherwise, but tend to agree with you. What we need now is, is an attitude change. Um, and you said that thing about, about uh, Christina, who's, by the way, bronze ranked this, this, uh, this year. 
the fact that she's doing this performance driving thing, uh, MP, which we hope will lead to more and more professional women getting into uh, motorsport. We've mentioned it on Twist before. That's where there's a huge gap. There are a lot of young, talented female race drivers coming through. What we've not got in what, remember, is a predominantly pro-am in terms of the numbers picture is there are not very many at all of the more mature, professional, moneyed people that were able to invest in their own team. That That's an area where there's very few indeed. And that's simply because of the way in which family expectations have gone. Generally speaking, very many of those uh, female race drivers have gone away from their racing career or their racing passion to get, uh, you know, to, to bring up a family. That's something that I've heard from numerous uh, people in teams who have put forward these these kind of ideas. It's trying to get those uh, mid to late 30s, 40s uh, drivers with the money, the drive, the resource to be able to drive those efforts, to bring those efforts into something like GTDRLMP2. That's where I think we could see a bit of a sea change in the future if the kind of um, program that uh, Christina and others are doing can bear that fruit to bring a talented and resourced um, female talent back into the sport, whereas maybe it lost them uh, a decade or so before. Uh, let's forward. go to Mike's question. Yeah, let's go to Mike's question yeah. on Audi. <clears throat> Would say, Mike, this all ties back to what I uh, revealed however many months ago about Audi's unfortunate shift in plans with its LMDH effort. That being, hey, we're going to be running in IMSA in the WEC factory. Hey, we're not going to be doing IMSA with a factory program. Uh, The whole reasoning behind that, and this is an earmuffs moment, I know that I said poop show before, but this deserves the full expression. Uh, Audi America's, Audi of America, Audi US's motorsports stuff is still a giant shit show. It has been for a really long time. It has been better for little pockets of time. But the reason we will have no factory LMDH running in the US is due to... I guess we're now into the third decade. It's all of this millennium. So 2000s, the, the 2010s, and now uh, the 20s here. But third decade of serious division, rancor, you name it, division between the mothership, Audi AG, and Audi of America when it comes to budgets being committed, marketing dollars being spent to support a shared sports car initiative something where again uh the 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 home factory in germany spending money could be creating the cars commissioning the cars whatever it might be but since there's no call it true american factory racing arm for audi to create cars build cars etc there's been a shared responsibility in how this has been done for a really long time there were years where everything worked wonderfully and Audi of America contributed their dollars, put staff behind the marketing and whatnot. And things worked in, in a true blended capacity as it should. 
for far too many years, though, that has not been the case. The And I'll, I'll use this allegedly, right? Obviously, I'm not sitting in on those meetings, but been told by way too many people who know that when it has come time for Audi of America to step up and spend, to commit, or after making a commitment, to then follow through with what they said they would do with dollars, with support, personnel, etc., etc. That has not been the case. As I understand, slash allegedly, same exact scenario played out here with the LMDH effort that would have been coming to IMSA as a factory thing in 2023. I know the question here is about the Audi R8 LMS GT3. We'll get to that in just a sec, but this is the same answer. And that is no support, to my knowledge, beyond, yes, you can if you bust something, we'll have spares to sell to you. But no real support for teams that would be anything like the other manufacturers who sell GT3 cars happen to offer. And so when you have a German approach to this, when we're talking about, again, the mothership in Germany and the R8 LMS GT3, immense support, right? That thing races everywhere in the world, excluding uh, the U.S. in terms of support and promotion and you name it. That model is still very significant, Graham, in seemingly every championship where GT3 cars race uh, outside of North America. Big support from the factory. Here, that support has dwindled progressively in recent years. Get to the heart of the matter, though. Two quick things. One, might have seen last year the Carbon by Peregrine Racing folks said, hey, we're Audi experts. They're actually based right nearby me here in the San Francisco Bay Area. They said, hey, we're Audi experts. We know these cars. We know the chassis tuning side. This has been more or less orphaned by everyone else. We believe we can get performance out of this car that others couldn't. I'd have to agree, Graham. Uh, was a, a part-time campaign in 2021. I'd say they did indeed uh, flatter themselves and, and perform incredibly well with the car, knowing that they're, again, small, part-time, single effort. But their approach to this and what they said coming in was fascinating, which was, effectively, everyone's jumped away from this car, over here at least, because they don't think they can make it work. We do. We're going to try. And they did. And they had success. Didn't win. Ran well. Again, in, in GTD, they ultimately decided we got as much out of it as we could. And so what did they do? They ended up buying Paul Miller Racing's Lamborghini Huracan GT3. And so that's what they will be racing. Now you say, well, but wait a minute. <laughs> isn't the Huracan and the R8, isn't that the same thing, right? Different body work, but effectively different uh, looks, but same underpinnings. Yes. Uh, there's some aero efficiencies with the Lamborghini that are, are, are known to be uh, something you can't discount. So I understand why they would say, hey, we fully grasp this chassis, but we want to go with it packaged in a baby bowl branding compared to uh, Audi branding and the bodywork that will give us uh, greater benefits. But there's one other key thing here, and this 
even takes place in moving from Audi to Lamborghini with this, again, the same car. And that is support. What does support mean? They won't say it. They'll never put a number on it. But the vast majority of manufacturers, Graham, who participate in American GT3 racing Mm -hmm. offer subsidies in some way, shape, or form. Could it be straight money? Here's hundreds of thousands of dollars that we are giving you uh, to use our car. Here's a car. Take it. There you go. Uh, All the spares you can eat. (laughs) Might be some, all those things. Might be one, might be two. But in that area, that's a pretty significant incentive for any team owner uh, or car owner to consider. And so while I'm not saying that if you look at every single GT3 manufacturer involved in GTD is handing out some of those things or all those things to their entrance, I can tell you the vast majority do. And so while we know to close on this, that GTD is not a pro class. That's why they created GTD pro. We still know that. Yes, indeed. There is some form of something coming from run down the list of manufacturers, the absolute vast majority of them to, if not all of the folks using their cars, at least the ones they consider to be the most competitive and most able to win and represent the brand uh, capably, uh, not only by getting to victory lane, but also in fighting for the manufacturer's championship. So if you take a brand like Audi, which is not known to be offering any incentives like that, and the fact that a bit of a shit show here in terms of general support when it comes to motor racing in us i'm surprised it took this long if it weren't for uh the carbon peregrine folks last year bring, trotting out their car at multiple races we would have been having this conversation uh quite a while ago so makes me sad man knowing how, the heights that audi reached here many of us have seen and love Fond memories of golden era, ALMS stuff, etc. Um, yeah, culture, man, uh, been broken there for a while. It's a shame. It's a shame. It uh, really is uh, a fine brand uh, with fabulous racing history, particularly in the, in the United States. Um, Edward Chow says, if you guys had to pick a favorite to win the inaugural, now no. 13 car gtd pro race who would you choose i realized that after last last week's show graham there was a question about reesey i have no idea i I have no idea how i answered that i I mean i know that i didn't answer it but i I just when we're done and i'm like i think that was complete i think i was talking out of my ass i think that was complete (laughs) nonsense i don't know what i said so anyways uh i'm gonna go with reesey um, hell of a crew hell uh, of a crew i just think about all the the differences with the majority of the gtd pro entries and boy is that not impressive graham what is it 13 cars entered 13. something like yeah, that wow 13. um look faf sure knows how to run a porsche they obviously just want a title using that in gtd corvette obviously knows c8r we run down the list bmw with uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, 
air quote new car. I know that uh, they're quite pleased with its performances uh, on Saturday, but mm-hmm. I just like the the thought of same old, same old. It's Reesey rocking up with a car they know. They're good on strategery. They got good drivers. I just like the fact that this seems like there's nothing really new to phase them here. And again, I realize that most of what they've done at Daytona is with a GTE slash GTLM car in recent years, but they are not indeed unfamiliar with a GT3 488 Ferrari. So I don't know why. I just uh, like the idea of them being the big old spoiler. Uh, Let's see. I know Ricky Zagata, Caleb Whistler got a couple questions about what you will be able to see coming next weekend from the roar and also the uh, IPC IMSA prototype challenge race, the all GT three series looking at what IMSA has posted Saturday. You will have uh, round one of the prototype challenge series uh, available live streamed on IMSA TV. Uh, Also, I believe it will be available here in the good old U.S. of A on a Peacock streaming, that being NBC's uh, streaming platform. And then when we get to Sunday, and I'm genuinely just reading to you what I'm staring at on the IMSA page here. It's not like I have any great knowledge uh, beyond this. Uh, we have IMSA TV uh, doing the qualifying race for the WeatherTech Championship on Sunday. And we also have Peacock offering the same so peacock i do believe is geoed geo blocked for us only uh so i think for our international friends assuming there are no issues or glitches you will get your uh, i am uh, ipc race and weather tech qualifying on imsa television slash just go to imsa.com and they should have it there for you uh, or a link to get it to you pretty quickly um asking about comms um will there be rsl or nbc commentary for the prototype challenge race i would assume it'd be really weird for them to televise it and have nobody talking about it caleb so i can't guarantee anything but i'd 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 wager a dollar that they would uh let's see brett thomason you got a question here about drive time stuff uh for gtd and gtd pro i will have to raise my hand and say i haven't looked at the uh the the supplemental regulations and all that uh yet uh but i will um trevor gagola asking any news on how well the corvette bop has aligned with the other gt3s in the class well let's see it next week yeah (laughs) well that's a really hard one to answer trevor because you kind of got to see them on track uh but even then that doesn't necessarily uh, tell you everything. There, I'm chasing this down, Graham. I don't know if I'm going to get the answer, but I'm chasing down a rumor that I've heard mm-hmm. that in sports car series that use balance of performance regulations to try and create parity across all the models in a class, I've heard a rumor that sometimes... In testing, even practice, sometimes even in qualifying, there are some. Now, don't say, don't say it. Don't, don't no, make going, the accusation. I'm gonna, look, don't. I'm going to reveal this. I, I, I made a pact with myself that I was going to say the truth. Yes. History. 
there is a rumor <laughs> that at times teams and manufacturers do not show all of their cars capabilities <gasps> in the hope he said it. the temerity of them in the hope of circumventing the rule makers coming up with an accurate BOP table that could, if successful, give them a slight advantage in the race by pretending that they are going as quickly as they can with their car. So again, rumor, not claiming this to be fact. I will be chasing this down. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get anybody on the record. They might look at me and say, you you would have more luck uh, uh, trying to find and confirm the uh, uh, the existence of Bigfoot than you would uh, of BOP manipulation. But I've heard it in darn it, Graham. I am not going to let it go. Hmm. There you go. Um, I've got this one quick answer Sorry, question. I'm just, just talking out just, of my I've ass just there spotted as usual. here that yes. I can answer immediately, which is uh, from Spruler at Spruler. Any idea why John, Juan Pablo Montoya is doing Emsa with Dragon Speed? And Hendrik Hedman in 2022, when he moved to Europe in 2021, is it lack of options that did the now-failed plan of Dragon Speed to acquire a DPI plane to that? It's very simple, actually. It's all to do with his son. Uh, so Juan Pablo was available in Europe because he was uh, following his son's um, progressing single-seater career in Europe last year, and that knitted beautifully with uh, the program with Dragon Speed. And... That has borne fruit in that Sebastian will be uh, part of that effort. I think, is it is it Sebring or is Sebring. it for the other? Sebring. Yeah. So it, it is linked in with the opportunity for Juan Pablo and Sebastian uh, to share that seat. He clearly enjoyed his time with Dragon Speed last year. Uh, Sebastian tested the car at the Bahrain rookie test and will be part of the efforts at Sebring this year. So that's what that's all about. It's nothing to do with lack of opportunity for Juan Pablo. Uh, I think his future is beginning to begin reasonably mapped out as an MP in your other world. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Let's see. Why don't I take one more here? We've got ten, maybe 10 minutes left or so in the show, Graham. Okay. Andrew Miller says, biggest surprise, Chip Ganassi's name no longer appears in the factory Cadillac effort. How hard was it to convince Chip to give that up? I don't know. And I say that because... Just again, full admission of my idiocy. I didn't notice that till you mentioned it, Andrew. Um, so there you go. Uh, one of those things where, I don't know, I guess not noticing it doesn't change anything. Chip Ganassi still running the cars. But I'll ask. Normally, it'd be a little bit easier to get an ans- a, a quick answer. Uh, they've recently undergone a very significant change in communications support. So, uh, as they continue to try and solve that, uh, I don't exactly have, uh, granted, I guess I could probably text chip right now, but, um, I'll find out. And if I remember Andrew, even better, I'll pro- provide an answer, uh, in an upcoming episode, uh, before we leave IMSA, Graham, I do want to mm. mention that we had a note here, which is a good one. Uh, as soon as I find it. So I, can- Oh, Kyle Brown says a car-by-car preview for Daytona is probably too long of a request. Although I'd listen to a dedicated Rolex preview show. So instead, I'll ask you to name your top three favorites in each class. So I'm going to punt that, and I use that term while uh, one of the wild card NFL playoff games is going on right now. 
Uh, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers currently throttling the Philadelphia Eagles 17 to zero gram uh, with 12 minutes and 22 seconds left in the third quarter. Uh, we'll punt that to probably not next week, maybe the week after race week at the okay. good old Rolex yeah. 24. We are indeed hoping you'll be there. I, I can so. tell you that while I still have my flights booked, I am all but convinced I will indeed be canceling them looking at how to my hope, uh, COVID slash Omicron is not reducing in okay. any meaningful capacity in Florida. I've even had friends who live in Florida say, dude, don't come here um, right now. Nobody's masked up. No one's taken precautions and it's on fire. And so, as I think I said before, obviously I nobody wants it. I don't want it, but I'm not too concerned if I were to get it. I'm fully vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. But again, I cannot risk uh, bringing that home and getting my wife ill, knowing that she doesn't have an immune system. So I think it's sure going enough. to be you yeah. there, uh, not me, but I well, do well, hope we'll that... Wait, we'll do a bit of hashtag wait and see. I should know in the next 24 to 48 hours what my plan is going to be, whether that's on site, throughout on site for race week only or not. But we'll, um, do, we'll do some sort of preview... Apparently the police are going by and they don't like the idea of us doing a uh, preview show. Um, It's the the preview police. Yes. We'll do some form of preview and we'll rope someone in, probably a driver, maybe a team owner. I don't know to uh, talk words to us and make us smart and stuff. So we'll do something for sure there, Kyle. Uh, But we're going to punt for now. Where do we go, Graham? To close We're going to go show. to head general because it's been another the other big story of the week beyond the entry lists, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. As we mentioned at the top of the show, was uh, Valentino Rossi and uh, the news that WRT have signed uh, Valet for a full season of GT World Challenge Europe Endurance and Sprint, which means he will be doing the Spa 24 Hours. He'll be racing an Audi R8 uh, LMS GT3 Evo 2, run by uh, Audi of America. Sorry, no. <laughs> um, and it will be number 46, uh, of course. So Stephen Gates uh, Matthew Lysons are both asking questions here. Uh, Stephen says, with Valentino signing for WRT, now is a clear path to top table in sports cars with the team having their P2 programme potentially running Audi's LMDH. Has he pulled off another career masterstroke? Would never be expected him to go to Ferrari? I'll answer that bit in a moment. Matthew says, with him going to GT World Challenge, do you think it will lift the profile of the series further to levels of WC and IMSA? Or will it remain a sort of niche? A niche, rather. Um, not everybody said Ferrari, and I can tell you... Um, I think Porsche dropped the ball here. I think, well, I know there was an option uh, for at least one, and I suspect there might have been two uh, potential programs for uh, Valentino Rossi with Porsche. And it appears to be the case that Porsche couldn't move quickly enough on the corporate front to get that in the place it needed to be by the time it needed to be there. So uh, having spoken to two or three people very recently about this, um, they believe Porsche dropped the ball and left the window wide open. Uh, Made very clear to me, by the way, at Dubai, that this is not an Audi deal. It is a WRT deal. So it's WRT uh, that have made this happen. They've uh, swept in and produced what appears to be a very telling uh, proposal that does present a whole range of possibilities, doesn't it? Uh, as, uh, because, as Stephen says, 
you've got the P2 program. There is an Audi LMDH um, coming the way, I'm sure, of WRT. Could we see Valentino Rossi at Le Mans as early as this year in a P2 car? Could we? Is that a possibility? Well, you know, I think there's an awful lot of wait and see. Maybe better to wait to next year. But it's going to be one to watch here. Is it going to raise the profile of GT World Challenge Europe inevitably? Uh, will it do so in a sustainable way? Well, that remains to be seen. Ask yourself the question about Fernando Alonso's uh, campaign in uh, FI World Endurance Championship. Did that have a lasting effect on the um, on the profile of the championship? They sold the is, ten, They sold tens of extra tickets, Graham. Yeah, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> but I think it's this is the problem when you've got something that is based around a personality people follow it because they follow that personality yes you're going to get a small proportion of that audience that think this is cool i'll keep watching that when personality inevitably goes off and does something else but the reality is the vast majority of fans of that person will follow that person and not necessarily the thing they did last time it would be like i don't know fans of valentino rossi um decided they're not, not going to follow MotoGP, which might be something they followed before he arrived there. I think it's good news. I think it's great news for WRT. It's great news for GT World Challenge Europe. I am sure we're going to see lots of nutty Italians uh, turning up to lots of races without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I was presuming they're allowed to attend. Uh, and we will wait and see what path this puts Valentino Rossi upon. Says the attend. nutty Britain. Uh, why don't we go to a couple of questions here related to Toyota GR GT3 concepts. Mm -hmm. Damien Peachman thoughts on the car revealed this week. John Schultz says, do you think the just reveal concept will become a Toyota Lexus? Maybe both in his opinion, the styling of the prototype looks very generic. Gustavo Bamba says is Toyota with its new GR GT3 showing intention of running Le Mans in the future, maybe beginning a customer program worldwide i can tell you that i loved the look of it i love mm. the kind of long legs that thing just yeah i really loved uh what i saw i would say that if that isn't the basis of an upcoming lexus rcf uh g element op whatever uh gt3 i'll be very surprised but uh, i don't have any knowledge to say no. that that is a fact i'm just saying that uh, boy that sure seems like a beautiful thing to turn into a, re a replacement for the current rcf gt3 but any other deeper insights graham on where uh, we i might think see i it? think if you look deep enough there are a few 1980s 1990s tota styling cues there on that car that they are difficult to spot but they are there uh i just say this which is i think it's great that a company as large as toyota are announcing effectively a commitment to an internal combustion race program, uh, which is clearly intended to be kind of customer-based uh, moving forward at this point in history. I think that's something to be celebrated, that we've got people prepared to kind of step up. I think there's lots of things that will have um, a bearing on that. GT3 racing is still extremely healthy worldwide. Um, they've got a customer sports operation in Japan, they've got one in Europe as well. They, they've 
not really in GT3 had a product that's been available for them to really sell. This might be the basis of that. GTD Pro gives them an opportunity in IMSA Racing for profile. And the other thing, which I think is a, a really telling thing moving forward, of course, is the move from 2024 to a GT3-based um, GT category in ACO rules racing. So there are opportunities for the Toyota company, whether or not it's under the Toyota and all the Lexus brand, to have, for the first time in ACO rules racing, a factory and a customer presence at the biggest race in the world. And that may well be the catalyst for um, pushing the button on this one, as well as what we already knew, um, because you've written it more than once, MP, uh, the fact that uh, Lexus are uh, USA are expecting new products, new GT3 products of that in the next couple of years. Okay, I'm going to do a quick fire thing with some here that might be yeah. bleeding over into fun a little bit. Uh, James Counter, he says, having just had a rather polar commute, has inspired me to ask, what is the strangest way you've seen to keep warm at a racetrack? I do recall, I don't know if this is the strangest, but I do recall in one of the very cold years at the 25 Hours of Thunder Hill uh, with one of my entries, uh, we had a bunch of, we bought a bunch of those, I don't know, I guess you call them pocket warmers, the little things that uh, when you take them out of the package, the air activates, whatever. And anyway, so you have the little rectangular pouch that keeps, uh, in theory, would keep you warm. I remember doing up a driver with a bunch of those uh, pockets wherever you could put and um, trying to get them set up going to the car with them placed all over the place. And those things can get rather toasty. And so I just seem to recall the complaint coming in pretty quickly that, yeah, this might be working a little bit too good. My ass is on fire. So uh, there's that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll add one. I'll add a quick one to that one. Brick Car 24 Hours, some years ago, uh, there was a team regularly used to race at the Nürburgring 24 Hours running an S-Class Mercedes Coupe. Not an SL, but an S-Coupe. Um, famously completed its fastest lap behind the safety car. And the driver did indeed... So this, but the, the other thing was, was an automatic. Um, the uh, driver pitted during the night it was quite chilly um and pitted uh during the night to have a rug thrown over his knees because he was feeling cold that's brilliant uh andrew clark back says can you respond to rumors that the weather tech series is being is considering creating a new gtcm class the only requirement is that cooper mcneil must be in every driver lineup thus assuring he gets the driver championship can tell you andrew that uh, I did chase that one down. It has been disproved, uh, inaccurate. I can tell you though, and I, I full apologies to IMSA ahead of the Rolex 24, as I know they have a number of major announcements to make in 2023. There will indeed be a name change. It will no longer be referred to as the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. WeatherTech, of course, owned, founded, and owned by Cooper's father. Uh, David McNeil, it will simply, the, the series will simply be known as Cooper. So, um, I think that just streamlines things rather easily. Uh, hey, you tune it in, uh, Sunday for, uh, the Cooper race really easy. Also kind of blends well with us here being sponsored by Cooper tires. So, uh, 
just trying to get Cooper McNeil to buy a tire company, then we can really uh, sell that one very easily. Uh, Jetender Dolly Wall asks about uh, Bushu getting class pole, uh, yep. asking you, does he really carry a hammer with him in the car? I don't want to get close enough to find out. I'll be yes. honest with you. Yes. Uh, Baxter. Uh, by not... the way, didn't just set pole. They did win the race. They won their, their class, uh, which, by, by the way, now means that uh, Christoph Bushu, uh, we do give him a very hard time, correctly, um, uh, adds the Dubai 24 hours to his Le Mans. I think he's got a Spa win as well. I think he won at Spa. Wow. Uh, Baxter, who we do not uh, read questions from as often as we should, this might be the close to the show. There is a question about the, the, the Subaru EV prototype thing going to the ring. Um, uh, what are they trying to achieve? Is that serious, et cetera, knowing that it's likely going to be much slower than the VW IDR. Um, keep in mind that Subaru doesn't do a lot of uh, international motor racing stuff. When they have of late, it's been at the ring with stuff. So this to me seems to fit that a little bit. And hey, uh, if they can promote to their fan base that they're doing cool electrified things in competition, then who knows? Maybe they sell some more. They've got a, they've got a big following worldwide, but particularly big following, cult following in Japan. This will be designed to garner attention in the home marketplace. That's the answer more than anything else. Will it be as quick as the RTR? No. Uh, will it be in the get any uh, eight word less coverage in Japan? No. Uh, they'll get plenty of coverage, and I'll be perfectly happy with that. So why don't we close here, Graham, with our pal, Andrew Baca, the Baxter. It says, with crypto sponsors, including oh. the scammy ones, all over racing right now, do you think any of the currently incarcerated former sports car racers would have used a crypto scam uh, these days if they were still free? And if so, Ooh. what would their scam coin be called? The answer is 100% yes. I guarantee you that uh, whatever collect calls that are being placed from various prisons <laughs> uh, s located throughout the globe have included phone calls from some of the illustrious, uh, illustriously incarcerated sports car racers to their uh, their consigliaries and 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 other folks to try and figure out how to get in on the uh, the uh, e coiny crypto coiny scam. So he's asking, what would their coins be called? Uh, uh, dollar sign hammer coin, uh, dollar sign Lowell's coin, uh, paying tribute to again the incarcerated Greg Lowell's half of Farnbacher Lowell's. Um, what do you think, Graham? And are there any other coin names that we should uh, we should consider? Uh, there's 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 certainly one. It's not, by the way, any uh, a scammer, but uh, a absolutely massive uh, part of the NASCAR family, of course, the Earnhardt's. Um, family and i think they've made a bit of an error because this is going to be called the dale coin and with that friends we say goodbye to this episode <laughs> take us home you let's, crazy let's person. do that thing we're going to say thank you of course again to all of you that sent in the questions every week it entertains us we hope it entertains you thanks to daniel summerskill for doing a great job of turning around those questions into such a well-ordered list again Thanks for you, MP, for making the time again and what's been a very busy time for everyone. But thanks, of course, to Cooper Tyres, to the Justice Brothers and to TorontoMotorsports.com for their continuing efforts to try to keep us on the straight and narrow and our heads above water. They're winning. They're winning. Um, he has been Marshall Perrett. I am and will remain 
uh, Graham Goodwin. This has been the Weekend Sports Cars, part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast. We will be with you next week. <laughs>